Here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. By the way, you can join us during the week, Fox Business Network. The name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. If you can't make it at 4, you can DVR us. Just text your favorite nine-year-old. She'll show you how to DVR, no problem. And uh, here, we, uh, you can get us on the Internet. Live stream us on the Internet, LarryKudlowShow.com, LarryKudlowShow.com. Plays all across the country, around the globe, throughout the solar system and the Milky Way. We're going to do some stock market work with uh, two distinguished investors. David Bonson is the founder and managing partner of the Bonson Group. He's the author of There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. He's got a No Free Lunch video series. And uh, Jim Urio, director of TJM Institutional Services, Chicago's leading restaurateur, uh, Jimmy, I don't know if you just see the Wall Street Journal editorial. Everybody's moving out of Illinois. Oh, what no. I, not only did I see it, I've been feeling it. And it's <laughs> not the people you think. It's the young kids getting out of college. It's, it's a really a terrible, terrible thing. Like, I have to fight to keep my own kids who are successful young adults from moving to Denver or moving to Florida. It's a terrible thing. Well, what is it? I don't get Pritzker is a businessman or was a businessman. I mean, I understand the Chicago disaster and all that, but Pritzker should—he should know better, shouldn't he? The guys, the Pritzker yeah. family is a great business family, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, but does that mean he's a great businessman? If you're born on third base and thought you hit a triple, I mean, maybe he just thinks everything <laughs> comes comes easy. I don't, you know, I don't know how how that family made their money, but I've been watching him pretty closely over the last few years, and everything. Again, when all the vectors point to economic destruction instead of prosperity, you have to think something seems almost intentional. It's the craziest thing, but living here is like a dystopian nightmare when you see the policies they try to push. Well, what, uh, you own all these restaurants. What, what, you know, how's your business? Well, restaurant, the restaurant business, we, our, our restaurant is packed and it's a, in a price point that makes it an affordable luxury. Mm. I have friends within the business who are, absolutely sucking wind. The only way they can try to make a profit is to jack up prices huge, and now they're actually seeing foot traffic go down. But to that point, though, there there is still, you know, there's 30% of the people who got transferred a lot of money from the from the poor over the last three years because of stupid policies, and people are spending money at the top end still. Mm. So, you know, so we're doing okay, but yeah, it's a tough business. All right, good. Now, David Bonson, how goes your battle versus J.P. Morgan? Well, the shareholder meeting is on May 16th, so we have a couple weeks. They just confirmed my uh, speech at the meeting yesterday. Oh. Uh, my slot, uh, you know, I was going to have uh, Governor and then Ambassador Sam Brownback up here with me because his uh, account closing was one of the things that that sort of catalyzed my effort here. But they're only giving me three minutes to speak, and so we're not going to be able to fit both of us in. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We've already had really good dialogue with the company. Uh, I just want to continue to reiterate for, so conservatives understand. Sometimes there are companies that hate our cause, and other times there are companies that don't even know people like us exist. <laughs> and that's, that's what I think is going on out there. Well, walk through, walk through what, what you're trying to do there. This is an ESG issue. Well, it's, it's ESG, but it's, it's a lot of things, Larry. It's more than that because they're – all I did is ask the company, as a shareholder, I'm a significant shareholder in J.P. Morgan personally, and then, of course, on behalf of clients, we own you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of stock. And I asked 
the company based on reports that they were closing accounts and debanking people based on their religion Mm. and their politics Mm. to do an investigation, do an analysis to make sure that that wasn't happening, that they were in their course of their great efforts to avoid discrimination on the basis of race, gender, and sexual orientation, that they were also making sure they avoided discrimination the basis of religion and politics. And my theory is it is happening, but that it's not known about on Park Avenue. And so that let's let Park Avenue find out it's happening so they can go into the field and say, hey, this has to stop. What are you guys doing? So I just asked them to simply run an investigation. They declined to put that initiative on the shareholder agenda. We appealed to the SEC, and the SEC ruled in our favor. Well, tell me just one more thing. You mentioned debanking. So J.P. Morgan is actually closing accounts? Well, there's no question there's reports of that. And if there's some other explanation, that there were some of these individual people, if Sam Brownback's people for his organization, his sort of not-for-profit, religious values type of think tank that they closed the account on, if they didn't dot all their I's and do all their paperwork, mm. then that's fine. You know, you, you can't have an account open if you don't do the paperwork. But let's have them say, no, this was because of paperwork. We're sure that we're not discriminating. But there are too many reports of debanking going on of groups that happen to be Christian-oriented, happen to be Catholic, happen to be conservative politically. Mm. And, and it warrants an investigation because if that is happening – um, last I checked, banks want depositors, and it's good for business to have more deposit funding. And so I, as a shareholder, have an economic interest in them not doing that. Right. Jimmy Urio, First Republic could use some depositors. <laughs> yes, first of all, David Bunsen, way to go on that. If there's anything I can do to help that, keep fighting this this stuff. That's this, that's inspiring that you're doing that. But yeah, First Republic, uh, the, the, you saw the Fed came out then saying, you know, trying to figure out why this happened, and they don't mention at all the fact that they raised rates at one of the most aggressive um, paths in, in its history. Um, you know, this is just a question of banks were too stupid to hedge their long-term uh, bond risk, mm-hmm. which, by the way, it, it literally is a five-minute exercise to have done that. It's called buying a 10-year treasury put spread. I could have done it for a minute a second. Um, and it's expensive, but it's a lot, of, lot less expensive than going out going out of business. And they, they took the risk, and the question becomes when you've seen now three cockroaches, how many cockroaches exist? Mm. Um, I do think that the Fed you know, plans on putting in a backstop, which – Again, then starts a whole new host of problems. I feel frustrated this morning. All everything we talk about is putting me in a bad mood. No, yeah, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's raining too. <laughs> it's pouring here in New York. By the way, that's hey, Larry, can I? But as far as Jim's point there about the banks and not hedging the interest rate risk, I've really been studying this since Silicon Valley went down and really unpacking because it's one of those things where I suspect there's a lot of bad actors, a lot of mistakes made. But I think the Fed is getting off way too easy here. Mm. I'm sorry. But the Fed said at the beginning of 2022, Jim, that they were going to start raising rates a quarter point and that they were going to end the year at 150 basis points. All right. So why are you going to erode all of your net interest margin with hedging costs when the Fed has told you they're going to be at 150? But then they went to 525. Can I answer that? The, but what, but my point is on the deposit interest, because now we're dealing with First Republic, where their issue is not their bond portfolio, it's their loan book. Mm-hmm. They have almost zero defaults. 
there's no credit impairment. These are really good borrowers. They got a rate at two to three percent, and now First Republic has to borrow from the Fed at five, and they're bleeding two to three percent of negative net interest margin. And I'm but saying David, that the Fed told them to do it. Yes, I know, but this is, and I've heard this argument from other smart people too. But I, why do we listen to the Fed? They they have a slightly below average record as being prognosticators. They were also telling us. In June of 2021, when CPI had already printed over 5%, that it was absolutely transitory. They were going to let this roll a little bit. And they, then they bought another $250 billion of mortgage-backed bonds. They're not the best at this. Um, I don't, I'm getting tired of being a Fed basher, but uh, they're not particularly good. I mean, I can give you 50 different economists and, and investors, including yourself, who were saying yeah. inflation is a bigger problem than they were thinking it was. So don't listen to the Fed. Listen to the market. Well, yeah, but the, prob- the problem is that we're confusing the Fed doing the right or wrong thing as to what they ought to be doing a policy versus the banks having to predict what they're going to do. And, and that's, the t- that's the mistake I'm referring to here is Understood. that the for- forward guidance has actually been incredibly reliable since 1994. I think it's a mistake. I don't like forward guidance as a tool. I I think they should be responding to nominal GDP growth, period, and let that have have the impact it has, but not try to manipulate the business cycle. So you and I are on the same page there. I suspect Larry is too, but look, this is ridiculous. They lied. They said they were going to do something, and they did something different. Well, I think forward. I think forward guidance is a bad idea. I've always thought it was a bad idea. And um, I don't know whether these banks listen to them or not. Most of these banks have their own economic departments or, you know, they have plenty of people. uh, Their customers come in, you know, brokers come in and give them their own point of view. But I I think the Fed is misleading. I mean, I grew up uh, more or less during the Volcker era. Volcker would not give forward guidance. He kept everybody guessing. I thought that was a better way to operate. I thought that was a better way to vanquish inflation concerns or deflation concerns. Um, I mean, I don't think the banks should should ever listen. Uh, look at so on that point, David Bonson. I'm just looking at the GDP report. Um, nominal GDP, which is coming down on a quarterly basis, five point one. Uh, in the first quarter, that advance report, but it's still 7% on the four-quarter change. And um, these deflator numbers are running just um, just south of 5%. So my question is, is the Fed's going to, uh, this coming week, raise the target rate by another quarter of a point? I think that's a consensus view. Maybe you disagree with that. Uh, but they still have work to do based on those metrics. metrics. Yeah, see, the issue there is, and I don't even know how our friend Jim feels about this, so it's, it's possible I'm about to get criticized. I hope not. But the problem is that, the, that okay. um, there's, there's a grain of salt that's really important in that, and that is that about 300 basis points of the deflator is a shelter number that is utter fantasy land. Hmm. If people believe rents are growing at 8.8% and housing is growing at 8.2%, I encourage them to put uh, their house up on the market for rent and see what happens. It isn't true, and the Fed knows this. Um, now, I wrote an article last week at my own dividendcafe.com pointing out that it was also true the other way two years ago, that it was understating inflation when rents were bubbling higher and housing was bubbling higher, and now it's doing the opposite. But my, I think, uh, Larry, that 
the are, they are going to raise rates quarter point, but why do we all think that? For the same reason, forward guidance. Mm. The futures market is saying there's an 88% chance they're going to do it. They've had four Fed governors go on TV for the last three weeks to say, yep, we're going to do it. Mm. So they're still tell, telling us what they're going to do. Um, do, do we think the market left to its own devices would raise rates a quarter point this week? No way. No possible way. Can uh, I chime in on that one too? Um, uh, just looking at the personal income report that was out, I guess, yesterday for March. So core core services, X housing prices, um, they have come down, but it's the last three months, 4.6% annually. In the last 12 months, 4.4%. So on that but, basis, you're yeah. still uh, twice the Fed's target. I mean, I don't yeah, know. If, if you do an annualized number, Larry, not year over year, but if you do the last nine months and the last six months and annualize it, then it's 2%. So there's still a base effect from, from the prior. But you're right. It's still higher than their target, the way that they report it. I don't want to start moving the goalpost around to get the number to where they want it to be. My point is that when you see core goods inflation at 0%, mm. you have to think services are following. Well, they probably will. Jim Urio, I notice gold has stopped rising and oil has stopped rising. Oil fell this week. Uh, crude oil down 1.4%. So that's 76, call it 77. Brent crude, 79. Uh, commodity prices softening again, Jim? I think it was just position squaring. You know, the move that happened in crude on the night that OPEC decided to cut production, you know, was a, a 6% move higher. It, it got, The market has a tendency to trace back because, remember, it's pushed around by people who have big positions on often. Mm-hmm. I think the fundamental backdrop for both gold and crude for different reasons is still very positive. Like the, the question with gold becomes, do you think the Fed is about to overdo it? And you guys were just talking about the fact that, you know, the, the shelter component is huge, the energy component is huge in CPI, but nobody mentioned the fact that we all know that, that rate hikes have a, let's say, a minimum of a six-month uh, lag time before we feel efficacy. So this rate hike is probably – even if they went to neutral right now and just said, we just want to see what the fallout is, that would be a better move than hiking rates. But the point is that if we're going into recession and then all of a sudden if the Fed funds futures curve is right and the Fed is easing 50 to 75 basis points by the end of this year and a full 200 basis points by the end of 2024, which I, you know, I'm not certain that that's right. So I do think that they're getting themselves into trouble. But then money is going to be injected back into the system. The, corp, the traditional you know, rate-sensitive um, economic stocks won't be getting the money, and it could go to gold, it could go to Bitcoin, it could go to oil for, for slightly different reasons. I think both those things are still where I want to be. I love the Bitcoin play, up 7.6% for the week. It's back, it's yeah, back it's to 29,336. 29, <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break on Bitcoin. We were, we're talking with David Bonson and Jim Urio, two of the best of the best. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is the Larry Kudlow Show on 77 WABC. Larry Kudlow, 
I'm here talking stocks and other things. I love other things, by the way. David Bonson, founder, managing partner of the Bonson Group, and Jim Urio, director, TJM Institutional Services. Um, David, when is your uh, JPM speech appearance? The annual shareholder meeting on May 16th, so a couple weeks a couple weeks away here. Will you come on our show that day? Um, I sure will, you'll, absolutely. You'll be in New York, right? Uh, no, they're doing it remotely. It's virtual, and so I will um, – actually, let's see, Larry. I will be in New York uh, the right after that, though, so I could uh, I could come on the TV show. Yeah, I would love to. All right. That. We'd love to have you on set to report on all this. I mean, yeah, this – this, the idea that J.P. Morgan, and, I, and Jim Urio agreed with this, the idea that they are closing accounts uh, based on some political or religious or whatever is insane. I mean, I don't think people know this. And, um, no, and, and, and I really think the problem is that you get like local bank managers and they have young people that are woke and they have they're empowered to do it. And I don't think Jamie Dimon is out telling people don't bank for Sam Brownback. Mm. I think Jamie Dimon is the one who needs to know what's happening because I think the C-suite would stop it. But they're denying it there. And, and all I'm saying is, well, let's make sure. Let's find out. Mm. And, and everyone will be better off. Sam Brownback, to our listeners, a uh, very distinguished former House member, former senator, and uh, former ambassador, and just an all-around wonderful human being. I've known him for years. So that's and a supply cider, I should add, a supply cider yeah, to his core. He's a supply cider. Um, Jim Urio, how do you make some money right now? What are you thinking? Okay, so here's what I don't like about the stock market. If you look at how it's performed and the illusion that it's doing well, it's just you know, the big caps are doing well. If you took it to S&P and equal weighted it, it would be down for the year. If you, you know, that cap weighted, it's up. If you look at the Russell versus the NASDAQ, um, you know, the Russell's not doing well at all compared to the NASDAQ. So it's, to me, that's almost like a flight to quality thing. Like, I don't, I don't know what else to buy. So let's buy, you know, some, some big bank or big company. I don't love that very much. And I won't, I won't start liking the broad market until S&P maybe settles a week above 4250, which is not that far away, but I, right now I think it's just back and forth. So in the meantime, I still like the plays that I've been going with for a while, which is gold, which is going to be crude. It had to, satisfy some things on the upside first and i'm going to get more into that and again and you said bitcoin i like bitcoin too. and again i barely even know what the heck bitcoin is mm. but i know that people use it as a proxy for the banking system mm. and for fiat currencies both things that seem to be taking a lot of punches right now i've been in bitcoin and i'm, I'm going to stay that way yeah well <clears throat> i i know as much as you know which is i guess not enough but i do okay. follow it it's very very interesting well, what's to know? You know, if it's, it's going up, you know, notice yeah. when it's going up and then, uh, you know, stay with that. People told me to buy it when it was six, five, six hundred dollars. And like a dummy, I didn't. <laughs> I know it went to 60,000, but it's still 29,000. It's, it's doing better than First Republic. David Bonson, how do you make some money here? What do you recommend? Well, I, I, I will say, You buy Bitcoin, David Bonson? Absolutely not. And I'll tell people to be. I'll tell to be real careful about that because the idea that Bitcoin is a proxy against the banking system, it was a pretty bad year for the banks last year, and Bitcoin went from seventy thousand to fifteen thousand. Um, and and people have said, well, Bitcoin is Bitcoin is 
Bitcoin's the hedge against the Fed, you know, and you have this just the Fed raising rates last year. If you want to know a correlation, it's Bitcoin and the NASDAQ. That's what's correlated. <laughs> oh, God. All right. The music is playing. I think we're running out of time. You guys are fabulous. David Bonson and Jim Urio, two very good friends of mine. Thank you, gentlemen.